What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello from the other side. Welcome to Total Disclosure. My name is Ty and I am the host and creator of the show. I want to start off by saying thank you to every single person listening and watching on your chosen platform. Remember to go above and beyond by following and rating the show. It's free and it tremendously helps us with getting to new audiences and helping with our algorithm. You can also help support the show by joining our membership on either Anchor or YouTube. For as low as the price of a cup of joe every month, you could be listening to ad-free content, gaining early access, and getting a yearly gift. Make Making this show is a passion, however, it isn't cheap. And this is how we keep the show free for you, the listener. Thank you in advance. Now let's get the party started. Make blanket statements to cover the entire UFO phenomenon over the past 20 years. Welcome back to Total Disclosure here across platforms, uh, but video exclusive on Spotify. Uh, audio can be heard everywhere, uh, but this is where we explore the mysteries of the unknown from sightings to conspiracy theories. We dive deep into the unexplained occurrences in our skies and on the ground. If you're intrigued by the possibility and the thought of extraterrestrial life and how it could be even here right this minute, visiting us with impunity, flying through our skies all over the place, thousands and thousands of sightings, then this is the podcast for you. Today, we're here with Dave Beatty. Uh, 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 I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, for, for quite some time now uh, because it kind of mixes again. Um, you know, I came from the world of Hollywood and uh, uh, left it behind for the UFO show um, and, and what I'm doing but with Make Contact TV and, and with you, Tom. Um, uh, Tom also uh, forgot to introduce you. Um, so <laughs> it's always assumed uh, that I'm here somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, but it, it kind of combines uh, a lot of the things I love this. So, Dave is a TV producer, uh, documentary filmmaker, UFO researcher, investigator. Uh, as well as many other things, uh, but we'll let him talk about that. Uh, but I'm super excited about this conversation. Uh, uh, are you ready to uh, explore the unknown together, Tom? As you know, what do I always say, Ty? I was born ready, so my friend. Dave. You Dave, how are we doing ready. today? Hey, guys. How's it going? What's Tom up, and Ty, nice to see you guys. Uh, thanks for the invite to come and talk about the subject we love to talk <laughs> about so much. <laughs> right. 
right no and oh, yeah. and and i couldn't agree more and and your credentials and what you what you've done um uh you know just for the subject uh, i think we need more filmmakers uh, especially like you who take grapple this subject you know uh, without the the too much sci-fi mu- X-Files music and and the alien cutscenes and and stuff like that. So um, more people like you, James Fox, I think are just bringing us a, a tremendous uh, uh, credibility to filmmaking because uh, especially in this topic, uh, uh, for for many years it was the same talking heads saying the same things about Roswell, same cases, you know. So it just it didn't stray from the beaten path and and i think in years recent since the 2017 article um we've just been getting a a a, a plethora of of better content so um just want to say thank you for your part in that yeah absolutely i mean you're absolutely right that um there's not a lot of content in this you know genre i guess you would call it that is truly cutting edge breakthrough because most of the stuff that's like more professional that is, you know, sponsored and commissioned television programming follows the same old patterns, you know, usually ratings based um, entertainment and that sort yeah. of thing. Whereas documentary style, um, usually the people that are doing that are self-funded or they're low budget independent right. um, producers doing it. So it's a little more challenging, um, you know, when you're when we do have careers as well. And usually the UFO films don't pay the bills so it's a secondary line of uh work as well yeah i mean i mean just to not to throw it back to james fox but uh after before right before making during making the phenomenon uh he had basically gone bankrupt um and and and, you know was just just in a bad place uh financially he's talked about it openly so um but then the phenomenon hit and you know did tremendously well uh thank god and and you know then we got moment of contact and 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 we just did an interview with marco leal uh another uh, so a brazilian researcher um so i just uh, you know we asked him kind of similar you know a, a similar thing but you know what why what sparked your interest in you know, a guy like you who who could be working in, you know, the, the TV business, the, the Hollywood side, you could be doing other things that would essentially allow you to pay the bills, if you will. Um, you could be doing stuff like that, but um, you're 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 you have this interest in the UFO field and mm-hmm. and and that topic for your films. So what what? what sparked that interest or, or how did we get this version of Dave, Dave? Sure. Um, well, in the early part of my career, you know, out of school, I kind of wanted to get into television. And, and one aspect of that was uh, broadcast news, you know, and every city yeah. has that. So that's yeah. how I kind of um, hopscotched into television was by getting a job as a reporter and a photojournalist in television news. And I did that for about a decade. Um, one of the assignments was down here in South Florida and I just like the, um, the weather here. So a lot of people that get into the entertainment business end up in the big, you know, Boston, New York, LA markets, because there's way more stuff going on there. But I kind of like the smaller, um, community that I'm in. So I was doing television and I hooked up with another, um, colleague that decided that he was going to, uh, form a production company. And I've been lucky enough to kind of 
ride that wave through all of the television, um, you know, ups and downs over over time, basically, to, you know, springboard that into my career. So I've stayed down here in South Florida in a smaller kind of role, but doing productions that were still pretty cool things like in, you know, the first like after I did the news broadcast, I did um, some, some series for Travel Channel. I did some um, programming for History Channel. Um, and I continue to do that style of work. Um, today, mainly uh, feature-length documentary films for the World War II Foundation, um, you know, the air on PBS. I'll do like two mm-hmm. films a year with that group. Um, we just got back from Iwo Jima and Peleliu. They're over right now in uh, France doing films. Um, so that's really exciting. And I continue to be able to like work in both the field production side of that and the post-production. Um, I, I've always sort of like you guys have had this um, interest in UFOs and the paranormal, mm-hmm. um, um, unexplained phenomena. Um, I like the the side of sort of humanity that is unexplained because there's a lot about us that we don't know. There's a lot of um, things that we see in the environment, in space and so on that are mysteries. And so I've always gravitated towards some of those questions and using my kind of, you know, skills as a store, television storyteller that I've been doing for my whole career. It's, it's fun for me to kind of make that type of programming that I would do for myself. So I might take a subject um, in you know one case or something like that, and then, then try to tell that story in a way that I would want to hear it, you know, myself. Yeah. Yeah. Without, yeah, without having you know some um, a network above you that's calling the shots. I mean, it's it, there's a lot of freedom when you're just basically not being paid by somebody else that then just gets to decide well, how you're cutting it and the creative and all that. Well, here's so you know you you even mentioned and sorry if I cut you off, Tom. You even mentioned that you did work for history, you do work for the, you know, history channel. And one of the things that I think a lot of people lately have had their eye on is Skinwalker Ranch. And Mm -hmm. I only bring this up because there's been recent controversy over a, um, the, uh, I'm sure, you know, the, the UAP that Travis Taylor thought he saw or, uh, uh, um, thought he saw on the 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 slow the or the the high frames per second 2000 was it like 2000 frames per second or something like that so um but ultimately you coming from hollywood you know i come from hollywood i know that it's not them in the moment like travis may have gotten um but but the debunkers like mick west and stephen green street especially have attacked them for letting that get onto the show. But, you know, we don't know if behind the scenes, Travis was shown this later on and like, like realized, like, when you look really closely, you can see the flap of the wings or, or something moving that makes it look like a bird or insect. They could have totally knew about that. But the, the, once the, once it's filmed, it's in, the history channel editors hands. So they probably, you know, they have no say in what makes it into the final product. Um, you know, Brandon might have a little bit of pull, but uh, uh, it, again, it's, it's 
when you're dealing with these big, massive uh, uh, studios, and, and, and History Channel is not a massive studio by any means, but they still have that creative control. Um, so I, I don't think people realize that, that with these shows, ultimately what gets shown to the audience is what the network wants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you have to realize that it's a commercial enterprise. These reality programs are um, making money for them and they have to follow a formula that um, not only retains viewership, but gathers more and more. Gathers more. Yeah. So yeah, it has to great. be entertaining. And you're absolutely right. Like once they film it, you know, there's, um, you know, a cadre of producers that take that material and develop the storylines. And, you know, the people like Travis and so on, you know, they may be aware of what's going on at the moment, but then these stories are extracted because out of the hours and hours and hours of content, they're going to choose those like two or three little second clips that are the most sort of compelling, exciting television that leaves you on the edge of your seat, kind of unknown. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. It's not, these are not scientific um, studies, even though it's kind of framed that way. There are those studies, you know, um, that probably aren't as, you know, television friendly, the stuff that Abby right. Loeb's doing and the right, research right. conducted because by it's other actual groups. science. Yeah. And so it's like and, watching and, paint dry. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say, and unfortunately, actual science is boring. Sometimes it's a lot of mm-hmm. hurry up and wait and hurry up and yep. wait and hurry up and wait. It's like the military in that way. Um, but shooting rockets into the air, I, I don't know if that qualifies as a scientific experiment, what they do on Skinwalker Ranch, but it's a scientific endeavor uh, through right. reality television. So, um, you know, we have a lot of friends on Skinwalker Ranch, you know, Brandon mm-hmm. Fugel, uh, uh, who I've talked to. Uh, Caleb. Uh, Caleb Bench is a really good He was the first guest when I changed over from pop culture to uh, UFOs. Uh, so, you know, I, I owe a debt of gratitude to those guys and, 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 and their endeavors. But um, sure. I know Brandon is, is even having trouble um, getting Travis to make a statement about that clip in particular. Um, mm-hmm, and right. that's straight from Brandon's mouth. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, I've talked to Brandon about evidence. I know that Mick West was trying to get some, yeah, but, but telemetry and, you know, they didn't really want to give it to him. And I kind of went behind the scenes on behalf of Mick and, and tried to plead my case and like, Hey man, this is, a little bit of data that he's asking for, but I understand. I totally understand that they don't have to give anything to anybody, you know? Well, it's not even that. It's the fact that I think the, the, the asks, the asks were all coming from people like Stephen Greenstreet. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission at us customs and border protection. We go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Who took advantage of the commonalities between their mm-hmm. backgrounds, right? The Mormonism mm-hmm. backgrounds right. of, of the people that are currently right. on Skinwalker Ranch. They all have some sort of Mormon background. Dragon was um, Brandon Fugel's like uh, uh, leader, like his, his troop leader in, in the, the Mormon, um, um, you know, mm-hmm. when they go on these retreats. So, you know, uh, there's, and then Caleb is Mormon. There's just so... So Stephen Greenstreet used that, got on the ranch, made four episodes that were actually pretty good, but then the fifth one just left a real sour. I mean, they just wanted to frame this as as you know. I just think it was very unprofessional the way Stephen handled mm-hmm. that situation, and 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 he by doing so stopped. Now now Brandon doesn't want to give information to people. Right, mm-hmm. because he doesn't he doesn't want to go through what he went through with Steven again. Um, right, and I don't I don't blame him. No, not in that situation. Yeah, I mean it's I mean when you approach somebody as you know that you're on the level so to speak, and that you want explain to them what you're doing, I don't think that Stephen probably totally explained to Brandon what he was about to do. Right. That you know, so when you see though that progression from the beginning, where it's very respectful kind of uh, framing Brandon's um, legacy of his family's business and success that he's had in um, Salt Lake and all of the um, parts of that company that he's built through his own hard work. He was very respectful um, of all of that. So, you know, I think that that's where Brandon thought that that was going to be a portrayal, kind of just an unbiased look at it versus, you know, taking a, a stance that this is all, kind of hoodwinking everybody that these are ghost stories and monster stories. And he really plays that up of goblins and monsters that are. And he always loves the dino beaver. Yeah. Dino beaver. So he's mocking it in a way it's, it is, um, you know, and you know, we talk about the stigma of this stuff. There is that um, occasionally you see that you can't, um, talk about it without people like laughing in your face because it and bringing up the dino beaver, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I, it, I really wish that was never included in the book. Um, <laughs> I, have to agree I really that. do. I, that should have just been scrapped just because it, it just sounds so outlandish that like we, there's plenty of uh, stories that, there, that, that could have sufficed. Just call but, it something different, you know? Like yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, zoological term. You know, Chris Bartel, who you had on your show, yeah, he's a great guy and he's like really level headed. And if you talk to him, you know, he didn't see any dino beavers. He did see some pretty interesting things out there and he gathered some evidence. But like th- that guy was walking around there every single night at like two or three in the morning with a flashlight. And right. you know, so <laughs> no, no, no. By himself, I can't even imagine like that oh how scary that would be. But yeah, he actually <laughs> debunked the, the and I know it sounds weird. But he kind of debunked the dino beaver thing because he says that there's these large animals like like uh, I can't remember what they are exactly. Oh, I know what you're talking about. 
there, I don't remember the, the this, name, but I know there was this animal that that is is a it's a very large subset of the species, and mm-hmm. they're 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 specifically on Skinwalker Ranch and in the Utah Basin area. So, um, like porcupine, porcupines they were. So it's a big, it's like a it's a he, oh, yeah. he had already he had known this because he had seen them, and he said that is probably what was mistaken as the dino beaver. And I said, right. wow, well, look at that. All you had to do was have a conversation with, uh, you know, Chris Bartell to figure out that there's probably a prosaic explanation to that part of it. Sure. Yeah. And, right? you know, I so, mean, that's the way to go is to try to figure it out versus just, you know, mocking. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's not to say anything on George Knapp and, and Colm Kelleher, but I think they should have, uh, I know all the stories that they were getting from NIDS and, uh, um, you know, and, and all right. of it, it's just so exciting. And, and I, 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 I understand getting caught up in the moment and, and caught up in the allure of the story. But again, I think some better vetting could have been done uh, on some of these Agreed. things. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's no big deal, but it, it, it just adds to that again, now the debunkers and the people like Mick West, who I've had on the show as well. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't mind Mick West. Uh, him and I get along. We used to right. not get along, but I invited him on. <laughs> he, he accepted. And him and I had a really good conversation. Sure. Uh, and I stick, I stick up for him a lot. But I think what he does is essential to – well, what like Stephen Greenstreet does is essential. I'm not essential not essential like debunking for the sake of debunking but mick west i think he at least tries to come at it with a scientific approach even though he doesn't have a background in it mm-hmm. but so i think he's uh, but, but people polarize him as this devil feature you know devil right. devil in the ufo community uh or or a wolf among sheep but i don't think that's the case i think the 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 story has gone has uh, the legend has gotten a little bit bigger than the actual man himself so uh we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about you um so i want to kind of twist back um so so you do a lot of these world war ii things you do a lot of history um what can you tell us about or have you done any digging on like things like Foo Fighters and and early early sightings of UFOs? Well, you know, I I mean, I think that for me, um, I was kind of out of the field. I was a MUFON um, investigator back in the '90s um, down here in Florida, and I didn't have a lot of success with cases down here at that time. There just wasn't a lot going on at that time. Mm. You know, in, as you know, we hear about UFO cases sometimes that it's like one a year, like in a location that's yeah. very exciting to see that. Yeah. But what I was, I, I spent a lot of time um, involved in that and never really had any cases, but um, you know, the, I, I did get involved in, in doing some research with the um, Gulf breeze sightings in the early nineties with oh, yeah. Ed Walters. I, I was up there um, wow. you know, doing some sky watching and trying to, capture some of that stuff because it was going on like on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the times when I was there, I never was successful. Um, and then after the 2017, um, you know, articles came out, I really jumped up back on board and I formed these groups on Facebooks and attracted like a whole bunch of very high level UFO people <clears throat> that were doing pretty good research. Um, like the SCU 
Rich Hoffman and some of these other people. And that's when I first started, you know, um, playing with the idea that, hey, man, this would be a really cool recreation using 3D graphics to show what the Navy um, strike fighters were encountering out there off Southern California. And quickly I realized that even though I'm not a great character animator, that I could animate F-18 jets, I could animate like the ocean and the sky. It was a pretty simple type of recreation. So Recreation, right. Yeah, so I started doing these recreations based on the pilot's testimonies. That's where I started. I ended up with like a 15-minute little recreation with with music and me and my friends did the voiceovers of the pilots um oh wow. and that was that was the first iteration of it um i got about a million views with that first clip and then from that it's it's got some witnesses to come forward and that's how i ended up meeting a bunch of the um surface navy guys from that encounter including when kevin day first made his appearance on the scene, you know, he was in this group that I had created. And then he brought in Gary Voorhees and they brought in Jason Turner because they, all these Navy guys knew each other. And then they brought in all these other guys behind the scenes that were on the Princeton that were like in the CIC guys that were on the radar. I mean, I talked to sonar guys. A lot of them have never come forward because they're, they don't want their name out there, you know, but behind the scenes, they were all providing information. So the next iteration of that film, which is the one that's up there on YouTube today, includes the interviews that I did with Jason and Gary and PJ. And yeah, I, so I was PJ, actually, so the Nimitz, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the Nimitz encounter is actually the so I'm friends with Kevin Day, um, right. yep. and the Nimitz encounter is the reason I'm doing the show because after the pop culture stuff. Uh, I was just, I lost my passion for it. Um, uh, Hollywood, it, it really, you know, that it just beat me down and, and I was just, uh, just not liking the person I was becoming. And I was searching for another passion of mine to, to, to really kickstart something of a uh, unique. And I've always, I've seen, I saw what I thought was a UFO when I was younger. Uh, but I had I, made friends with Kevin Day because he was in some of the, the the new UFO documentaries that I watched. So I added him on Facebook. We got to talking. He gave me a bunch of – but that's, that's beside the point. I've talked to a lot of people from the Nimitz. I want to ask you a question. Do you think the Nimitz encounter is the closest thing – now, there's, it's, this is a double-sided question – the closest thing to the uh, the closest thing to a modern day Roswell, um, but potentially with reverse engineered human technology uh, instead of extraterrestrial. Now, I'm not sure if if, if the Tic Tac is extraterrestrial or or interdimensional or or. It's reverse engineered. So I'd like to get your your thoughts on number one, um, that what do you think it is? Well, what do you think the Tic Tacs and, and, and whatever it was uh, uh, um, talking to underwater uh, mm-hmm. was and, and if, if they're of this, this world or, or not, plus um, uh, the, the, the beginning part? Yeah, for sure. Um, so – in, in researching the Nimitz encounters back when it first, you know, was kind of revealed, the pilots of the, the Navy pilot fighter pilots wouldn't talk to me. You know, I know they were talking to Tom DeLong and 
Um, of course, some of the yeah. other people you saw. And like Corbell and... I, I did try to reach out because they were part of the story, really. But <clears throat> because they didn't want to be part of... an they, I guess they didn't know who I was. And <clears throat> they thought that maybe I was trying to monetize their story or something. They didn't mm -hmm. want to talk to me. Although later on, um, you know, Commander Dietrich has been so gracious. And, you know, she is a lovely person. Um, I've always respected her. I never used her name back before she was... Um, publicly, she came out, you know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think she respected I, I made sure I didn't, even though I had that information of a lot of these other pilots, I didn't use them. On the other hand, the Navy surface guys were always, like, super cool and, and explained to me a lot of what was going on. In the very beginning, you know, we found out that um, people boarded the vessels and began um, confiscating evidence. And right. at that right. time... Right. No one knew about that. This was something that basically I broke that story through Gary Voorhees and PJ Hughes, especially. Um, oh, and then you had yeah, like the Navy sure. pilots basically calling them liars, saying that didn't happen. I would have known about it. No one took anything. There were no men in black. No material was confiscated. It was just the opposite. No one cared about it. But I still maintain that people did come and get very sophisticated um, CEC data um, recordings that would basically show on radar the performance of these objects that were, you know, on the radar scopes in Princeton CIC for about a week prior to the intercept. So that material does exist somewhere because they came and took it. And I don't think they probably erased it. They probably took it somewhere. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Again, where did it go? I'm not sure. But aside from that physical evidence that would bolster the FLIR 1 video that Chad Underwood filmed, there is this radar data that ha also exists. And of course, we also know that because Chad explained that, you know, he did film the whole engagement. I mean, he said a lot of it was boring, but from the moment that he, you know, flew out after Fravor and then began recording the, the Tic Tacs, he recorded the entire thing until the end. So we're missing all of that material. And again, did they, why mm -hmm. would they erase 30 minutes or whatever of, of this really in, unusual encounter? I don't know that, um, you know, that doesn't exist in the same file or folder with the radar returns and the CEC data, all the radio communications. Can you imagine listening to the pilots, you know, on the, on the intercoms and um, talking to the um, Hawkeye and talking to the Princeton and so on, um, explaining what they saw. So, you know, first of all, you have this, all this information, then you start to like frame it. Like, could this be some type of classified operation? 
And everyone that I've talked to in the Navy says there's absolutely no way that all these people wouldn't be informed. And in fact, if it was, we probably wouldn't have heard about this event because they wouldn't ever talk about it. The fact that they would be put into an, um, uh, an environment where there might be some type of aircraft they're not aware of is a safety of flight issue. And the Navy just doesn't do that. Even if they do have secret, you know, projects, it's all well planned out and they don't just spring it on people like they did with Commander Fravor, Commander Dietrich, um, when they retasked them to go on a real world mission to find out what this unknown contact that Kevin Day had on his radar was, right? They didn't know what that was. And the Navy, I don't think to this day knows what it was. So I don't think that this was some type of reverse engineered, um, you know, technology that we had. I just don't think that. What do I think it is? I, you know, again, you know, your guess is as good as mine. The the performance of these objects seem to defy um, what any kind of conventional aircraft or rocketry we have. I mean, there's just not anything out there that fits that, checks off all the boxes from the radar to the eyewitnesses um, to the the lack of control surfaces, lack of uh, thrust vectoring or any other type of uh, propulsion system that was visible to David Fravor. So what is it? I mean, you know, David Grush in his first interview said that the Nimitz, the Nimitz Tic Tacs, that's non-human technology, you know? Yeah. He came out and said that straight away. And I always take into consideration the fact that if this was some sort of clandestine operation using reverse engineered technology, that there's an element of danger that gets introduced where you're now putting all of these service members at risk. And I mean, you're talking about a potential disaster mm-hmm. of a, a magnitude unseen in training operations. It would not only involve injuries, potential deaths and things of that nature, but then now you blow the lid off of technology that they didn't want anybody to know about anyway. So it never made yeah. sense to me that that's what this was. I think it's an, uh, an actual anomalous incident that right. isn't anything in the, the inventory of the United States. So you don't think this could be a, a, a skunk works? Um, no, you, do you don't. No, I absolutely don't. There's too many risks Dave, involved, and I just don't see it. Nope. And and Dave, yeah, I don't I, you, yeah. So you, I was gonna say you, you think the same thing. All right. Well, uh, you know, again, I think you know, and 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 what are the one of the problems? At least when I'm talking to the general public, uh, I went on a show the other night um, where. It's not your, it was a pop culture show. So I'm talking to people that don't necessarily, you know, I'm educating them, if you will. Um, and when I, when I bring certain things up, you know, you can, you can see that they're like, wait, you know, this is happening and, and, and uh, this is happening and this is happening. And, yeah. you know, the stigma is, is slowly fading away. Um, um, but people don't know that there are probably, reverse engineered craft or or something um that that is is in the private aerospace industry it is is it, it the the evidence is just overwhelming at this point to suggest that that that's yeah. the case um so you know that's why i ask um um you know the tic tacs are 40 feet um uh you know big things uh you know flying with no no means of propulsion um and and, you know we recently had just heard 
that there's uh, Tom actually, you've been doing some work on this, uh, where a private aerospace uh, a company may have built a building around a craft that was so big, and this is in a different country, um, they built a, a hangar around it to conceal it. Um, so uh, these are things that are coming to light, and, and hopefully hearings will happen in the next uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they'll happen. Two, in two weeks, Congress goes away on their long summer. So I think that uh, September hearings are, are now like the target. But uh, up until then, all we can do is speculate. So, guys, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that, you know, the testimony that, um, you know, a 14-year career Air Force intelligence officer, um, you know, David Grush could provide is – startlingly, startlingly, um, you know, clear. And he's saying that he corroborated this evidence over the course of like four years, I think he said, from multiple people. So it's not like somebody was just fooling him, you know, that's been brought up as a speculative thing that how could he arrive at this information? Is it possible that someone um, above him or below him was uh, providing this information? But he said that he had independent sources that told him the same story. So that, you know, his BS meter, as he said, you know, would might have detected it, but like he was convinced. So the fact that he said that these people that came forward had very specific details as far as the name of the program, the location of these um, special access programs and where these materials were stored and, the aerospace company um, that was hiding that um, a lot of this can be checked by, you know, the gang of eight and um, Mm. members of Congress. And it really is their duty and responsibility to the American people to um, use that power that they have to go in and, and see if this stuff is um, being hidden illegally as David um, alluded to, you know, on Ross's um, interview. Yeah. And again, I, I think some of the, the, the language that's come out um, proposed in, in, in these, you know, uh, intelligence authorization act and, and, mm-hmm. um, and all that um, it, it's really great. It's great to see. I'm not so sure it's going to, it's going to pass. I don't, I don't know if a president will sign that uh, a, a president like Biden would sign that into law, but just the fact that it's being proposed and then yeah. God bless his soul. You know, I, I may not agree politically with him, but um, uh, well, actually, both Marco Rubio and Tim Burchett, but Tim Burchett specifically has stated that that or or put into um, legislation that basically they want to declassify all sightings, all all the government paper, data um, for for sightings. Um, back until 19, uh, or, or from now back until 1945. I mean, that would be a big task, but we know Arrow just got fully funded. In next, next June would be when this is, would theoretically become due. And it just so happens that Arrow is already tasked with um, coming up with a comprehensive UFO history and government involvement. Uh, by Ju- this time next year. So could we be, could this time next year be 
a watershed moment for UFO uh, uh, history? I think so. I, I, I really do. I, I think that if some of this language can get passed into law um, through the NDAA of 2024 fiscal year, I think we're, we're, we're just, we've never been in this territory. I mean, things are moving at, at not a snail's pace anymore, no. but at, at a warp drive speed. Breakneck at this point. It feels like yeah. every day. When I was talking to Dave before we started the show, I even said that things are happening so quickly and things are coming out so fast daily that even guys like myself and you, Ty, like we're having trouble keeping up with all of it. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like outpacing us. <laughs> and again, Dave, you, you can definitely speak to this. I mean, you said it earlier. You'd be lucky, you know, the last couple, you know, 20 years ago for someone who was doing a radio show or, or, or researching or investigating, you'd be lucky to get one good case a year, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and now, now we're just blessed with, with news and, and updates mm-hmm. and, and all these things. Um, and, and it's, it's just been a whirlwind. Um, how can you, how can you tell us, you know, cause you know, uh, Tom and I have been watching the subject for our whole lives basically, but you know, we, 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 we weren't adults, uh, for a lot of this. So how, how is this, the, the political, um, landscape, changed from say 25 30 years ago to now um what changes have you seen in government transparency when it comes to uap well first of all you know we have to realize that you know towards the end of the 60s the u.s government got out of the flying saucer business so um between you know that period and 2017 when this information came forward about the atip program the osap program um, <clears throat> there really wasn't any government, um, official study that was admitted. So that's the kind of, um, really interesting thing that we're, um, about to find out because, you know, did they kind of, um, close the door on it or was there actually behind the scenes investigation reporting taking place, um, perhaps more, I mean, according to David Gress, there was a lot more going on that the, the U S government already had the knowledge about, um, non-human intelligence and technical vehicles that it had collected um, in these crash retrieval programs that he's alleging to. So, I mean, that is this huge, like, um, elephant in the room, I guess you'd call it, that um, are we going to find out more about this? And I think everyone's on, you know, I am, I'm waiting to find out more. What's the next um, turn of the story with David Grush? Now, on the flip side, when you just talk about, say, UFOs in general, you know, there was the official like NASA programs um, really, really came down on UFO reports. The SETI program, for instance, when I was a news reporter back in the 90s, um, if we tried to bring in NASA to talk about, say, a UFO report, um, they wouldn't they would not do it. They would say, look, no. SETI is not going to come in forward and talk about anything that has to do with a UFO. We'll talk about our radio signals that were, you know, investigating, um, you know, intelligence outside of the United or outside of the um, earth, you know, that were beaming these um, messages and were basically listening to the radio signals coming back in, but they weren't willing to even address anybody that was studying uh, UFOs or take it seriously at all. So they even had a manual that I found, um, you know, Seth Shostak that was involved. I was just going to bring him up. 
Uh, yeah, he, and, they yeah. had a manual that basically downplayed any of their members um, how to address the UFO topic when it's brought up, and it was to shut it down, basically. So there's yeah. a lot of stigma in academia and in the U.S. government through NASA and so on. But now, I mean, if we just fast forward to 2023, I mean, we're looking at just the opposite, where you have like, groups of senators that are, you know, demanding answers of the U.S. government and the DOD. Um, you have high-level whistleblowers coming forward. I mean, this is just unheard of. And then, you know, you, there is still still a little bit of controversy about Bigelow's, um, you know, Bass's contract, the Advanced Aerospace Wet weapon system, you know, identification, whatever it's called, but all the Ackermans and loose yeah. uh, program at DOD, the ATIP program. There is some controversy about exactly what that was set up to study. Study Did they, um, did, the, did the funding go for UF, UAP studies or were they were looking more at what the um, defense intelligence research, research documents, the DIRDs were, which was Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Little to do about UFOs and more to do about advanced weaponry and aerospace technology. So That, that our enemies potentially would yeah, develop. Yeah, like far-term. Like a DARPA um, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. So, I mean, that's kind of where I see. Now, on the flip side of that, I really like looking at these UFO cases that you might think that, like, hey, no one's really looking at this stuff. And, um, you know, the, the last one that I did was the USS um, Ronald Reagan uh, UFO event in 2004, where I was tipped off to a, a sailor, a, you know, a former sailor that had written this article, and I read it, and, and it was pretty astounding, um, you know, seeing a glowing, you know, mini sun-like object hovering over the flight deck of the aircraft carrier no way for a long time so that i mean that's startling enough but through him and through this research we began conducting and identifying other former navy um, sailors that were there that day we like accumulated i think about up to eight witnesses that were all there that that basically said they saw the exact same thing but the funny thing about it is no one seemed to do anything about it. Like they <laughs> saw this object over the uh, flight deck, but the officers weren't reacting. They didn't go to general quarters. And so this, it's just this event that just stands there by itself. And you're like, that is so odd, but this is really did happen. And it's a huge mystery. Like what was that? And again, um, you know, this is research that I conducted. You can, you can read that story on the debrief. You can find it on my YouTube channel. 
Um, I did like a big article about that in, on my Medium um, website. And the other one was the, um, I call it the USS Kid um, incursions, but it really kind of, Jeremy Corbell like did get some video release from the USS Omaha and um, USS Russell of these UFOs that appeared over these Navy vessels in 2019. So again, I was tipped off to that story um, and began investigating it, began filing FOIA requests to try to find out what was going on. And, and that was the first one that I, w- I was successful in getting these deck logs um, from a vessel that somebody just said, hey, have you looked at this vessel? And through the, the freedom of information, I was able to get the deck logs of the USS Kid from that very month. And as I'm going through it, I start discovering the term Snoopy teams, which to that day, no one had ever heard of that term. Um, so that was the first time that we learned that these Snoopy teams are called out when anomalous or unknown aircraft or vessels approach a Navy ship and they come out there and start filming all this stuff. So they were filming you, you know, night after night, they were filming these red lights and in, in, um, they call them drones and UAVs. But again, I don't think the Navy to this day has figured out what exactly these things were. And again, in the same area where the Nimitz um, encounters happened out there in those ranges by the Channel Islands, San, San uh, Catalina, Santa, Santa Catalina, um, yeah, Clemente um, yeah. Island, Saint Saint Nicholas Island. Yeah, um, it, it's a hot spot out there, and and that case yeah, again, that was like a fantastic um, deep dive into learning all about the systems that were out there, all about the ships. Um, I really pounded on that case really hard, and I still to this day have been unable to talk to any sailors. I mean, they were locked down tighter than. Fort Knox as far as NDAs and stuff, because I contacted numerous um, people that admitted that they were there, but it's the minute that I brought up that case, they ghosted me or like they wouldn't talk from that point forward. Have you been to Catalina? I have not. No, I, I, I I just went, went. I went and um, I had a sighting on the Island. Um, It's, it's not something that I talk about. Um, because I can't definitively prove it. Um, but I did see something, um, and I, and I have it on film, uh, and, and it's part of the documentary that I'm making, um, which I do want to talk to you afterwards, uh, after the show, if you wouldn't mind, uh, sticking around for a minute. I, I, I uh, I would love to, to pick your brain, uh, about, uh, just a couple things, just a couple quick minutes, but, yeah, sure. um, yeah, it, it, it's it's that island. There's something there. There's something to it. Um, Dude, there, I, I agree. And one of the things that freaked me out is I read this article by a guy named Preston Dennett. Um, and he's sort of a, a UFO researcher as well, kind of old school. And somebody linked me into this. Um, it's like a podcast video he made where he just tells the story on his YouTube channel about this campground on um, on the island in Catalina, right? There's a campground there. I forget what it's called. It's a famous campground. And he tells this UFO story that happened, I think, in the 70s with a group of A-list Hollywood actors that would go to this campground every year to have this, like, reunion. Right. And they had this encounter that's just startling, and it's all documented. And he alludes to who these these people were, they're like very famous, according to him, like 
again, A-list film actors and actresses. And um, he goes through this like um, sighting that occurred there that night and what went down. And the, the, these craft that they saw, I believe they were like diamond shaped objects, not Tic Tacs, so to speak. But it just reminded me that this area has a long history of this type of anomalous UAP or UFO events. And you should people should go and look for that Preston Bennett um, story on YouTube. It's like pretty hair raising, really. Well, another That's thing, I've never uh, heard that before. Yeah, me either. Until another I, thing, I another thing that we know about Catalina Island is that the north. I think I believe it's at the north side of it, uh, the north end, um, south of San Diego. Um, there's a very, like a very strong electromagnetic uh, interference or, or anomaly, um, mm-hmm. and. And 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 there's just a, it's it's a it's a very weird area, um, and and this is where some of the fishermen and um, some of the natives of, of of that area say that they see things coming out of the water. So, and 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 by the way, not a lot of people know the whole island is not. You can't just walk around the whole island. A lot of it is cordoned off. Um, uh, uh, Areas of no trespassing, um, in, in it's they're instated by Catalina Islands, uh, pres- like the preserve. Um, so what you know, what and, and they tend to be in the northern side. So, what is it that they don't want people to see? Um, so I, mm-hmm. I just, I, I, yeah. or is that does that have anything to do with it? Is is, is what I'm saying, Ben well, Hansen. Ben Hansen uh, um, did a did a very good job at, at, at he like he did a dive there and that's where all this data came came from that and UAPX and and some of the uh, other other work that was done um, afterwards. So uh, shout out to to Ben Hansen. Yeah, I mean, and that's where Kevin Day said that the Tic Tacs originated. They were going, from, yeah, that's right, that's right, the, going yeah, and coming day. from, yes, yeah. So, I with the Nimitz encounter, we know that pilots like Fravor, again, you brought this up, pilots like Fravor, um, Dietrich, the Wizzos, um, um, who is the gentleman who caught the, the actual video? Chad Underwood. Chad Underwood. Um, uh, Philip Hughes didn't even know it happened uh, until afterwards. Um, but uh, th- there are... Th- UAPX, <clears throat> Gary Voorhees, um, they go under the notion that someone came aboard that ship um, in in uniform, n- not in uniform, I'm sorry, um, or not in any discernible uniform. Not in official of, capacity. Of, not in official capacity. And took flight log data, uh, okay. uh, basically uh, uh, scrubbed, scrubbed everything of the the training mission that was revectored to real world tasking. Um, how many, if, if, which side are you more inclined to believe on this? As far as the, that actually happening or that. Yeah. D, because there are two or three people saying that, that data went missing um, right. publicly. There's also, two or three people saying that it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. 
Um, where do you well, lie? I my I fall squarely on the fact that I trust the the sailors that told me that happened and um, independently, you know, stated it. Now, you know, when you're when you're interviewing people in the very beginning, it's sometimes hard to, you know, segregate everybody so that either the story you're hearing from them did they hear that story from the other guy? And like the, now it's part of their story. But, you know, the, the one helicopter um, technician, the lead petty officer that was on the Princeton, um, his story is pretty compelling as far as he goes into great detail of witnessing these guys arriving on his ship and how they came aboard and how they used one of the helicopters to take off and they came back with like these bags and they were staying, staying in the Admiral's quarters, bringing, ferrying up these bags full of what he assumes Ooh. must've been the material that they had confiscated. And right. if, if this really did happen, according to his description, it could have been the same people that um, Gary Voorhees encountered in CIC that came and had basically took all his tapes and made him erase all of the tapes that they didn't take just in front of him. He had to sit there and erase it and how they took the um, radio communications, which I think it was recorded onto some type of optical disc, um, according to Gary. Yeah, Kevin. Optical disc. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah. They yep. took that disc with all of, all of the radio and, and Kevin was sort of confused because he would say that he went back to look at the radio and the, the timestamps were there, but he couldn't play it. And Gary explained that, yeah, because the computer still had the timestamps of the of the radio transmissions, but the optical disc with the audio was gone. And um, right. so, and then you had Patrick Hughes on the U.S. NIST Nimitz, a completely separate ship. He didn't know Kevin. He didn't know Gary um, up until, you know, when I kind of introduced them, you know, but he had approached me separately and, you know, he had the same story. The only different, differing part of it was that the people that came into his workshop at, that took his data bricks from the Hawkeye aircraft, he Which said they cool. had uh, U.S. Air, Air Force flight suits on. Flight um, suits, yeah. So yeah. he was pretty sure. I'm like, I, I grilled him on that. And he still maintains that from, you know, his experience in the Navy, he knows what a Navy flight suit looks like. These guys were wearing Air Force flight suits. He said they were not Navy, even though his CO was leading them in like they were on a mission. They came in. Right. So were those the same people that, um, you know, uh, the, the helicopter technician then later saw bring back material onto the Princeton and, and put in store in the Admiral's quarters and then leave? So there is like a very strong, um, you know, I guess you would call it anecdotal or a witness um, chain of events that occurred. I totally believe that that happened. And I don't know where that material went. I think today well, DJ has some ideas, but. Yeah, I think we all have some ideas. Um, and yep. and, and um, sadly, you know, the Air Force has, has been dragging their feet ever since 2017. Uh, or ever, I, uh, uh, sorry, let's say even. Let, let, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Ever since 2020, when it came out, you know, via the, the United States government, that there are such, you know, UAP do exist, um, and um, they are, have been 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trying to figure it out. And, and um, the, you know, whether it's, ad, you know, adversarial tech um, or, or, you know, our, our adversaries technology or something else uh, that they were going to get to the bottom of it uh, or, or, you know, things were put in motion uh, 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 in, you know, starting in 2017 when things really, you know, hit the fan 2020, the government admits it uh, talks about further research, further transparency, tries to mend that fence. Then all these offices are created, you know, with varying different acronyms. Um, now we're at, Arrow, do you think that Arrow is competent enough, even with full funding, that if they were to find evidence of a crash retrieval program, that they would um, act on it, or would you know would they would they put it up the chain of command if they formally um, uh, came to this conclusion. Because if David Grush at the UAP task force, he was able to find it, what is stopping Kirkpatrick from finding it? And, and, from, and we know that he's been uh, 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 subject to briefing from various people. I know Mario Woods, who is a good friend, um, um, had a meeting with, with them. Uh, he said it was very lackluster, very, mm-hmm. you know, seemed very unconvincing, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the people entrusted to guard nuclear weapons during a time when the, the, the red threat was everywhere. So these are the most trusted people uh, telling you this stuff about how UFOs had been shutting down nuclear sites, abducting people maybe, um, right. all this stuff. Kirkpatrick's heard all this. Do you think he's competent, competent enough to lead the, the Arrow office? Again, you know, um, I'd have to look back at the history of the U.S. government and UFOs, specifically the Condon Committee that was set up and mm-hmm. the Robertson panel and so on, that you you would look at that and you would say, man, they basically had the mission to kind of put this to rest. They wanted to get the U.S. government once and for all to put this back in the box. I mean, you would think that the UAP task force, the the briefings that were done, and now this new office that's been funded with Dr. Kirkpatrick, um, you know, running it, you know, we hope that that's not the case, that they are non-biased, that they are given the leeway to pursue this. But it's sort of 
in some ways, it's almost kind of humorous that we have this idea that U.S. government has technical vehicles of non-human origin that it's basically collected for over 75 years and is hiding them and that the government knows for sure that um, this other intelligence exists. We have evidence of it. I don't know how far that goes as far as how they know it exists, but if you have the vehicle, perhaps you're you know, pretty, pretty sure of it. But then on the flip side of that, you're like, well, we're listening to the pilots um, testimonies that they saw something in the sky and we're trying to investigate that. I mean, those two things are um, mutually exclusive in a way, because if you have the one, you don't need the other. I mean, we already have the thing that crashed, so we don't need to figure out what they saw in the air. We already know that it's one of these objects, probably, if that's what what these UAPs are. So do I think that um, it's a good thing? I do. I do think that having a task force that is open enough to, like, investigate, I think that we need to give them time. I know the office was just funded when you have have to like let them do their job and and get these witness um, interviews to come to some conclusion. Now, I'm curious that a a year from now or so, you know, are they going to include this new whistleblower testimony that is kind of bombshell material? Is that going to be something that they investigate? Did they have the necessary clearances through that office to go and find these unacknowledged special right. access programs or yeah, are they going to so, get the door slammed in their face you know well well here's the thing and this is what worries me for the same reason david grush was withheld information and this guy had access to over 200 special access programs if anyone was going to be able to be read in on something for a need to know directed by legislation in an NDA of fiscal year 2022 uh, with the UAP task force, if he was being denied access, well, even does Title 50 access for, for Kirkpatrick at this point, does that even make a difference? Or is he going to, you know, w- what a splash that would make if next year they get, you know, you know, in the next, you know, few months they get this access, and then they do start going around and looking for uh, these hidden legacy programs and find evidence of it, but are also denied access. Um, would he come out and say that and say, I, you know, would he change tunes? Like, like, you know, we've seen so many people change tunes. Uh, Heineck, uh, Stanton Friedman. Uh, so many of these these legendary people who who went in with a, a skeptical mindset but came out a believer. Uh, could we see that happen with Kirkpatrick? And would that hold a lot of weight? I think it might. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is there a lot of information about his previous academic um, um, opinions based on um, the UAP topic? I don't know. I haven't seen that, so I can't like speculate on where he was, say, five years ago. Or, or is he completely unfamiliar with the topic and has never given it the time of day as many scientists don't, you know, they don't know anything about it. They just poo-poo it and move on. Right. They don't want to know about it. They don't um, do any kind of reading on the subject at all. So maybe he's in that stage of, you know, he's open-minded, he's um, being briefed on this stuff and he's coming to the conclusion as most of us have who've studied this, that a lot of these cases can't be explained. There's just not enough information to go on, but they're very compelling multiple witness uh, cases. So you have that. I mean, 
if, if, well, if I would guess, I would say that he's going to come away going, yeah, some of these reports are certainly, um, you know, unexplainable. But the other part is this whole thing with Grush, who said that he contacted Kirkpatrick like a year ago and never returned his calls. And never blew, returned. He blew him off. Yeah, blew him off. Can't get anywhere like that. And plus, these other whistleblowers that have apparently been uh, meeting with private congressional uh, committees. Mm-hmm. What what happens then? It's like you have well, Rush who well, came forward, and then, well, then well, wait, another wait. one, and another one. Like yeah, so Robert Salas. Yeah, yeah, Salas, Robert right? Salas. Um, um, so, uh, uh, like Mario Woods. Mario, All these yeah. People, um, have come forward from these military bases. Uh, but real quick, so just to to do this, we have a two minute clip. Uh, I just want to play it, and then I want to get you guys' take on it. So yeah. uh, this is about the doubling down from the 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 so so basically the about the statements of of rubio from rubio so mm-hmm. uh, i want to play this clip real quick and then uh we'll get our our thoughts uh right after so one second guys we'll be right back the bill tells individuals with knowledge of these activities to disclose quote all relevant information Merrick von Renenkamp joins us now to weigh in. Welcome to the program. A lot more uh, whistleblowers to come forward, a lot more people with actually direct knowledge of, uh, of, of UFO, of craft, of, of people driving the craft, et cetera. Uh, no, it, it's a good question, Robbie. By, by all accounts, um, from all the reporting and, and the chatter that I'm seeing, and, um, and I'm focusing uh, on Rubio's recent comments, that, that some very high clearance holders in very high positions, those are direct quotes from Senator Rubio, um, have come forward to the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, we learned just yesterday afternoon um, that Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who, along with uh, Senator Rubio, have really led the charge on this, is planning to hold an open hearing, uh, hopefully, potentially, likely with, with the whistleblower, Mr. Grush. So um, my hunch is that Congress would not go uh, through the exercise of putting together such, shall we say, groundbreaking and extraordinary legislation and hold open hearings if there were um, if there was nothing to this and if there were not other individuals who were corroborating Mr. Grush's uh, claims. Uh, it's a good point. Look, I worked at the Pentagon. I know the budget is, is extra, it's just extravagant. I know funding goes into down rabbit holes and, and you're right. The, the audit issue is a, is a big, big problem. Um, I, I do want to focus to get to your question on the fact that, and I'm kind of a government nerd. I worked again at, at DOD and briefly at the state department. And, um, I don't know if your viewers are familiar with what an inspector general is, but it's basically an internal cop that, that ensures that an organization is, is operating legally and above board and, and correctly. Um, and I, I need to reiterate this, that the former inspector general of the entire intelligence community, that's 18 separate intelligence agencies has found the whistleblowers claims. Uh, that information was illegally held, withheld from Congress to be credible and urgent. Huge. So again, guys, uh, we have this 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 double down from Congress to to really get to the bottom of this. Um, and what Rubio is saying is, uh, and, and and there's been some some pushback saying some of these people aren't passing background checks, but. Um, uh, Ross, I do have another clip, but Ross is saying, 
um, that those are the people that are coming from the Greer side. And that's no offense to Greer. Um, you know, I'm not trying to like belittle anyone's heroes or any, you know, I know everyone, you know, has their person. I'm not a Greer guy myself specifically. I think he's got good information. I watch everything he does. Uh, I watch all of his movies, pay for them, um, uh, uh, talk about, talk about them and, 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 and all that stuff, but he's not my cup of tea all the time. Uh, and it's just, we, we have to hear everything out. I think, um, we have to be able to hear all sides of things. Um, but that's the Greer side of things. Um, but, uh, that, that's not, who Rubio is talking about. Rubio is talking about the people who, who are with still hold high clearances, making claims of firsthand knowledge where these programs are. Right. Patterson keeps coming up. Um, so what right. Patterson, uh, seems to be a hot topic. Uh, Dave, if you will, could you give us, uh, what you know or anything you've come across, right? Patterson. Um, you know, I know that um, they have the the research laboratory there, right? And one of the things that originally I thought was pretty interesting was the uh, General McCaslin that uh, Tom DeLong was working with in some of the email, the original emails and the WikiLeaks uh, that Tom DeLong was indicating that McCaslin was uh, kind of helping him along to put together some of these things. And he came from that Air Force Re Research Lab at Wright Patterson. So if anybody or any anything had knowledge of what was going on there, it certainly would have been him. And maybe that's one, one of the reasons that um, Tom DeLong was so convinced, you know, and also getting involved with Lockheed and Steve Justice, uh, for instance, um, was there information provided that, um, supported this idea that Lockheed has some technology. Um, one thing recently that I came across, <clears throat> which is sort of interesting to me, um, a film that I'm working on currently is called The Consciousness Connection. We're, uh -huh. sort of in, we're in production with that right now. And we're looking at all different facets of, you know, human performance, um, ESP, um, you know, all the different topics that go along with this. And one of the things that I was researching was this laboratory at Princeton University called the Pear Laboratory. And this is very similar to SRI, the Stanford Research Institute, and what um, Hal Putoff and Russell Targ were doing in the 60s. So this laboratory in Princeton, New Jersey, was doing the same type of research um, in a different academic institution. And what I kind of learned was that um, McDonnell Douglas, the aerospace company, was that one of the founders of that, actually McDonnell, one of the founders, um, was funding this um, Princeton Engineering Anomaly Research Center, where they were, do they were studying um, human interaction with physical systems. So basically random number generators doing yeah. double line yeah. ESP experiments. Like, so, um, right. They were, they were studying, um, PK and how right. people can interact. And I just was like really curious of why an aerospace company might be interested in, um, that type of research. And right. recently I started thinking, well, there's been rumors floating around that these, objects that um, 
you know, are very, um, you know, high tech and we don't understand how they work and that there might be some, um, some interest in trying to explore that of like controlling them through um, consciousness rather than um, pilot control of the, of a craft using a throttle and a stick and so on. Right. We need to stop looking at this from a human perspective because again, we're not dealing with a human where this is a non human intelligence. We need to start looking at this from, and that's why the secret, this cover up, this truth embargo, whatever you want to call it, 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 it's time for it to end because we need to open source this, this idea of coming together <clears throat> as a species and figuring out what is in our skies, what is flying with impunity, why it's here. We owe this to ourselves and to yeah. the advancement of humanity. And if someone is holding that secret, that secret is, is hindering the advancement of our civilization and could be a, a major contributor to the delay and potentially disastrous consequences of, of you know, climate change and, and, and all of this. Like, Look at where we're at. Look yeah, at everything yeah. right now, Ty, we're almost, Dave. Like, we're almost at the, the line of, of yeah, we, we, if we were getting a report card right now, we would be failing. Failing. Our parents mm-hmm. would as, be as, in yes. the office with the principal right now. It's not good. Yeah. Right. yeah. We're, we we're harming the place we live. I mean, we're destroying the environment, basically, uh, through Sad. carbon emissions. So, And then we're and arguing people, about whether or not it's people, even happening to begin with. And it's politicized. Again, it's yeah. politicized. Yeah, of course my, it's biggest, politicized. my biggest fear is the UFO topic becoming politicized. Yeah, currently, currently... <clears throat> We've remained pretty bipartisan, and and that just goes to show you how important this topic is. It, right. it really, really, really is because this is the only subject that touches every single person on planet Earth. This is the the this this is the biggest story in human history, and ever. and it, it uh, ever. There's nothing our, that comes close to it except nothing. the existence of, of of God and life after death. Like I, and, I, and, I've always and, said, it's a holy trinity. And uh, by figuring out one, it may help us figure out exactly. The and it's so, like, well, don't, who wouldn't want to know these things? You know, and we could do it in our lifetime. If that's we the sad just, thing. If we just work together, I'm not. You know, again, I, I, I'm not a Greer guy, but um, uh, Dave, I, I, I noticed um, Chris Sharp has you blocked. <laughs> uh, Christopher Sharp from Liberation Times? Yeah. yeah, that's because I, like, told them they need to correct their article <laughs> about the, oh, the, one the 33. I, I, did, I did a FOIA, um, you know, John Greenwald and I both got the Marine Corps' uh, document download Um mm-hmm few days ago and it was pretty convincing i mean they sent like three new videos of these flares that basically match the the stuff that they yeah. were uh, promoting as being the mojave triangle this half which of is field. yeah from the so. Cor- corbell and nap as well and and corbell and nap have yet to make a statement and it's like it, it frustrates me because first off jeremy calls himself an investigative reporter, but he's not a reporter or a journalist. 
uh, investigative journalist. He's not a journalist. He he's barely a filmmaker. I mean, he is a filmmaker, um, but he, he like he's even admitted like to not knowing how to 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 adjust aperture. You know, like this is a a guy who who you know was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. You know, was able to bootstrap to to George Knapp. I like Corbell. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I think he's good for the good for the. He's that guy that's always on the news. You know, Dave, mm-hmm. you'd be interviewing Corbell. You know, right? That's the guy that you'd want because he's. You know, he he he's he keeps it very nuts and bolts and, and doesn't really stray from you know the far and and, and he keeps it very digestible for for the public and i think that's a good thing but mm-hmm. he also calls himself an investigative journalist and he's and he's not um people come to him and, and, you know and and apparently you know uh, if, uh, if you just listen to the podcast in the beginning you know people come to me and tell me things that they probably shouldn't um like that's his claim to fame and then george knapp right. obviously is like i'm an investigative reporter we've been working on this for you know Mm-hmm. My whole, my you know, my George whole life. Knapp but, is it has has the resume to to back up a lot of what you know. But yeah, so 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 Corbell, do Corbell and Knapp need to come out and say we were wrong at this point because the the, the evidence does suggest that these were flares. Well, I mean, my point was to look at what's out there on on the website that the mainstream media is going to pick up and then recycle and. You know, we see that again and again, that you'll have an article that might come out in what might be considered a tabloid, like the Daily Mail, mm-hmm. um, right. you know, that then that article gets passed around and you see these um, stories on all kinds of, um, you know, websites and news sites that people that have no idea, like, see it and they believe that this is real, this really happened, which is fine, you know, and I understand that there was a misidentification Initially, that these Marines had approached um, Jeremy Corbell a couple of years ago, they said, and they sent him some cell phone videos. And they said that this thing, you know, they could see the outline of a triangle and so on. Most of us that saw that first thing, you said, boy, that looks like uh, military parachute flares for sure. Um, I wonder how they eliminated that. Did they contact the Marines and ask the Marines? I well, the, know. The, 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 the Marines are saying that these, you know, the, the Marines, at least the ones that Corbell and, and, and Nat brought, up, brought, brought on weaponized, mm-hmm. were saying that these were definitely not flares. Now, mm-hmm. I think, I really do think that if it, it they don't want to necessarily admit this is, is, because then it would, it would actually go it would hurt us a little bit because it would discredit the, the it observers would discredit who the observers military. of military yeah N- really not just point, one huh? not just one but many because a bunch of people 50 60 70 80 witnesses apparently to this thing all you know most of them didn't come forward maybe they're smart and they were like dude this is just flares and they mm-hmm. were like and there was like 10 to 15 guys or you know whatever that were like no it wasn't like you know they might have yeah. previously been into UFOs like you know they grew up during the the Phoenix Lights incident and, and right they just got excited and, and ran with it 
um, and Corbell and Knapp ate it up because that's what they do. They take these military sightings and, 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 and bolster them, uh, which I think is a great thing. But sure. I think they have been proven wrong about the, the diamonds over at least the diamond in that video. Uh, oh, I, you I mean uh, the flying the flying pyramids? Yeah, I I I do I do think that that is a a, I think it has been I think it has been debunked to my satisfaction. So so going to that specific case, that's the USS Kid case I talked about earlier. Right. Right. I mean, again, I broke that story with Danny Silva, um, Mm -hmm. June twenty twenty. If you look at his Silva record, you'll see that story. But whatever these guys were filming was unexplained and i i tell mick west yeah okay i got you dude that that might have been out of an out of focus night vision goggle that produced that shape but whatever they were filming i don't think that um all of it was misidentification of stars and jets as he's like to tell us that the they did have you know objects approaching the ship so i have to give you know jeremy credit that he got some very credible witnesses to come forward they leaked this video to him they leaked the video from the um, USS Omaha of the sphere that they call the transmedium. Um, yeah. Sphere. So they, right. you guys have come up with some very credible stuff. Well, the, I, that one I like. And then that's what yeah. I'm saying is, mm-hmm. is maybe, maybe they got caught up in the excitement. They did see something. Things were approaching the ship, but sure. what they what they filmed by accident was not the right thing. Right. Not, this is where actually, radar evidence comes in. This yeah, is why yeah. we need that. Not, That's why yeah, we not, did this. So maybe they, maybe exactly. they like, got, you know, they were excited. They, they ran around to try to like get to a better spot to, to film it with the, you know, mm-hmm. that, um, and, and just accidentally filmed the wrong thing. You're absolutely other right. Things swarming. All, any of these could have actually happened. And I think there's no, like until we get the full, the full picture, um, you know, which I'm hoping it gets included in the arrow because uh, it's already been brought up in, in mm-hmm. hearings. It's already been entered into congressional um, uh, congressional timeline via the first hearing with, that was held with, uh, you know, uh, Bray and Bray and um, right. Moultrie. So, <clears throat> well, let me. I mean, just let me throw this out there because again, I I extensively researched that case. There were like a dozen warships spread out over hundreds of miles of ocean. And these objects were approaching these numerous warships concurrently night after night, July 2019. Um, what is going on? I mean, the yeah, they're, they're, they're not the just making that up. No. Right. That's that's happening. Plus, doesn't it feel like if you if, take everything that we just went over and then go back to 29 Palms for just a second, doesn't it? I mean, to me, and I could be wrong, but doesn't it sort of feel like there's something missing in this story? Like you have all these witnesses, and and then and then obviously the evidence that that uh, Greenwald and McWest and everybody presented as to how these could have been flares, it it, it holds up under under scrutiny. Typically, it just it feels like there's there there's something there mm-hmm. that isn't quite right, and I'm not saying in either direction, but it feels like there's something missing that there's an aspect of this story that would fill in some gaps. That's just not there. And I don't know if that, if it's, right. you know, maybe radar data or that, you know, 
things of that well, nature. I'd like to hear a witness. I mean, 50 right. witnesses on the ground, but none of them. I mean, I would like to interview one of them just to basically discuss this because I was able to reach out to the combat cameraman from public affairs that I found his name uh, attached to the videos on, you know, the defense visual information library system um, that he was with the assault teams that were um, conducting air assaults that evening mm -hmm. from the weapons training instruction course. So he was with the guys that were launching flares basically. And that's his perspective he can't really talk because of, you know, being a Marine or whatever. He wouldn't, he wouldn't provide me with information. I tried to ask him. I said, look, you were there. You filmed the flares. Read this article in the Daily Mail. You, you know, do you have an opinion? And he said, no. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus he wouldn't like he's the guy that filmed those flares. He, he um, wouldn't even give an opinion on it. No, he. I mean, he's the one that filmed the, the the night vision stuff that John Greenwald and I found, like a few minutes after the weaponized podcast, like and right. found all this evidence of the. But the guys on the ground that saw this, um, I'd like to talk to them about that specific. Did, were they aware that night that, that, that this exercise was happening exercise was happening that they would know? clear up a lot because if that's the, if that's they weren't thing. yeah if they weren't aware that would give credence to the idea that they misidentified right if they exactly. were aware then that goes a little bit further didn't one of the witnesses say that typically in situations like that they're, they are like the whole base would be notified of something like that if there's that type of exercise going because on it, that they should have been to it. It was like a whole week, and I would right. be sure that the guys that were at Camp Wilson were part of it because unless they were doing something else, they would have been involved in this multi-task force group of air exactly. and land and like infantry and yeah. The and whole that's, thing. They, that that base is known for doing very elaborate and extensive training. Like that's yeah, where detailed, you go to yeah. do that training. So I don't know. Uh, this case, yeah. uh, a lot, a lot more is uh, to. to uh, there's a lot more to figure out and to to kind of hash out on it. I don't think it's sure. over yet, but um. Mm -mm. But I think going is, back to your original question, Chris probably blocked me because I said that maybe they should issue a correction to the story. That mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I just I I wanted to know because uh, I went to your Twitter today uh, to go, get your handle when I was making the uh, overlays and um, <laughs> uh, your the first thing that popped up was that yeah. and I was like, why would Chris Sharp block him? We love he, yeah, he blocked a bunch of people um, based on some of my my tweets about that specific thing because again i just received you know this big um document download from the marine corps and i'm going through all this documents going oh my god this has every aircraft tasking and all the flares that they released i mean 
the, the video that Weaponize showed from the cell phones matches one for one with with these flares. So, mm-hmm. as you said, is there something missing? It would be while well, they saw a big black triangle, but it wasn't in the video because it wasn't in. It was over here or to the left, and the triangle oh, was yeah. over here, and that the lights that they filmed were unrelated. Because I could buy that, but. Right. Well, see, and that's the other thing, too. I had this theory just because the the phenomenon, as I'm sure you know, Ty, I know you know this. It's very weird sometimes. If you've, re- if you've read anything from Keel or Valet or any of those guys, there are stories that, that you'll hear that are really, like, bizarre. It's like you couldn't even come up with it on your own. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, is it possible that there was something out there that night? Yeah. And it was, like, mimicking what the flares were doing? I know that's uh, – I know mm-hmm. it's a reach, but I'm like, right. I've seen. But like, like that even the Phoenix stories. Light situation, they did they did the flare thing, and people right, said right, it was right. obviously different. So we just need the military to either confirm or like do a something similar and say no, no, you know, like you know, mm-hmm. push okay. back a little bit or say, okay, yep, yeah, we misidentified. We just need we need, yeah. we need them to fit, you know, to to come out and just either admit they were wrong or. Or, or let's go. Let's move on. Um, uh, these mass sightings have gone, I would say they've gone down in number or something's happening where there's just, it's a different way that they're connecting with us. Um, I think the abduction phenomenon, I think, I think personally maybe has gone away um, or at least it's been altered uh, to some degree, because I don't think we hear of it as much anymore. Um, so what do you think, uh, about trends in, in you've been working, you know, um, collecting information in this field for a while. Um, have you noticed any trends in the, in the data to suggest that, you know, abductions or or Mm -hmm. any trends to talk about? Well, if you if you rewind back to the maybe the abduction heyday period, you know when you had Bud Hopkins and Whitley Strieber, um, uh, Raymond Fowler, you know these guys were um, writing you know in depth books studying these cases, and they had many many witnesses that they would write these books about. One of the things that has gone away is the use of hypnosis. I think that that's something that. Um, yeah. At some point, you know, I yeah. wasn't following exactly when they decided that, look, maybe using hypnosis on alien abductions isn't the best idea um, to explore, you know, factual information and, and to elicit memories that are actually true memories. So that's probably one thing that's happened because I haven't seen any, you know, books by um, major authors that are investigating the abduction um, phenomena so much. I mean, I always am looking for that because I, I was intrigued and read everything I could get my hands on about Me that too. topic. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. maybe it's still going on because most of the people that were um, victims or at least experiencers of this stuff, they said that it happened their entire lives from when they were very young. And oftentimes it seemed to uh, part- take part in family groups where they're relatives the same thing happened to them and generational um, right not uh, not every yeah i know but what i'm saying is is did they finish their experiment Mm. i've I've been wondering about that imagine that imagine so they they, uh, all the abductions we heard of for the past Mm -hmm. 70 years 
what if they've finally achieved their goal or at least to satisfaction that there's a pause going on, a lull, or, you know, <laughs> could there be something like that going could on? Be. Where there's less, now they've, there's they've more uh, collected enough sperm. They like, you know, eventually they <laughs> get the, their, their quota is for sperm, you know? Yeah. Right. Like, could that right. be, could that be something that, that, that's actually, I mean, we, we talked about it being generational. They, they did these things to people for the past 70 years. Is the plan instituted? Are we guys like me who are 30, you know, are we the generation that, that was needed? to come along, you know, for some reason, like guys like me and younger who needed to get here with a different mindset or um, now is there more potential for expansion of consciousness? The idea that everybody, that if you surveyed 900 people, 898 would say that there's, that we're not alone in the universe. Like, was this disclosure process maybe not just something that the government needed to comply with or or handle, but the mm-hmm. NHI was also controlling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my opinion would be that there's um, it's it's a serious enigma. I mean, the the idea of non-human intelligence or contact with non-human intelligence goes back, you know, millennia, pretty much. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So so when you when you delve into the more modern stories of this, specifically from the abduction encounters and the witnesses that oftentimes do have um, waking memories of this stuff as well, that it's not all um, hypnosis induced. It's that a lot of these people have these experiences that they describe very unusual communications that have been ongoing with them and these other intelligences for years that oftentimes have to do with um, earth changes that they, you know, are told about and that that to them, they see, they think that this other intelligence is helpful rather than harmful, that Mm -hmm. the interactions to them are in some way um, leading forward to some, paradigm um what that is i'm not sure it's it's a pretty interesting mystery that's one of the reasons i've always been fascinated by it because are we going to find these answers i think that the answers are there it's 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 like a copernican shift it's like we have to keep uh seeking the answers out um that's why academic institutions should embrace these mysteries and look at it even though it may seem very unusual the answers may be out there as long as you, you know, go for them, you know, it's going to take right. hard work. Right. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. definitely going to take hard work. And another point, um, um, you know, is the mainstream media needs to take this seriously. And oh, I think yeah. the fact that they're not taking it seriously um, is, is very, very, you know, news nation. Uh, they're the parent company of KLLAS. Uh, K-L-A-S, which is George Knapp's um, news station. And they they vow to be this neutral uh, news network. And they really like, they, they, I think they're tackling, well, they have the same owner. Maybe they're not, I don't think they're the same company, uh, but it's the same owner. Um, And I think he is okay with running these stories he has with George Knapp for all these years. Mm -hmm. And now he's using, 
you know, News Nation, and he's allowing them to run these stories. So um, it, it's a good sign. But uh, so there's one last clip I wanted to play, um, and it's 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 Corbell. Um, no, it's uh, uh, Ross Coltart on uh, Marco Rubio. So it's uh, just a minute mm-hmm. long, so it's, it'll be really quick. And uh, we'll be wrapping up pretty soon. So I um, just want to get your thoughts on this. To finally hear what I've known behind the scenes for quite some time, that, that senators and representatives are taking this extremely seriously. What uh, a lot of people haven't realized until now, until Senator Rubio made that admission, is that there have been hearings, secret hearings, going on in the Congress for at least two years where very senior witnesses, including people with very high clearances from within the government, from within the intelligence community, have given evidence about, believe it or not, a UAP crash retrieval program and reverse engineering program, which is improperly illegally and in some cases criminally being withheld from the public and the Congress. And uh, it's quite extraordinary, I think, to, to hear this admission by the senator because he's now bipartisan. We now know that Senator Gillibrand as well is saying that she wants hearings and also in the Congress and the House uh, there's push from both Representative Burchett and also Representative Mike Gallagher. So we have Ross, who is arguably, uh, I think, one of the best investigative journalists um, in in this in in ufology and in, 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 absolutely in, is um, in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, for any subject. Um, do you think that that uh, uh, you know you know, what's your take on uh, Ross and his involvement? Um, do you think that 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 we need more people like him. Um, and, and what's your take on Ross Coltart and his involvement um, in the credibility of, of UFO, UFOs? Yeah, I mean, Ross is an old school television journalist sure that no. goes back yeah. into the yeah. 1970s. He was his first. Some of his first um, endeavors were that uh, airplane sighting. I think it's Christchurch. New Zealand in the 70s where the news crew got on the plane and actually filmed the yes. UFO. So he was he goes back to this topic a long ways and you know obviously his stature as a journalist um for all those years has been incredible. So having somebody with his skills, I mean obviously he's an, a very very good presenter. I mean the guy's awesome on camera. Um, and lends a lot of credibility to the topic. So you might have other journalists that would look at his reports and say, hey, you know, this guy from Australia is doing it. You know, we should do a story on this and buck some of the news directors that think of this topic more as a religious topic than a serious news topic, because you have some stations and some groups that are covering this with a great deal of seriousness Because really, when you look at the story itself, especially this whistleblower story, it's sort of hard to deny and kind of ignore it. Something's going to happen. Open open hearings, you know. And open hearings, so, you know, with David Grush, I think, are going to be... Uh, something that we really need to watch for. I think Mark Rubio, uh, uh, you know, I think he is one who's mm-hmm. really pushing for it. And uh, uh, hopefully well. on, you know, uh, on on 
the you know Capitol Hill. Uh, uh, we get to see David Grush uh, testify. Um, you know before b- before. Not I, I. I hope it's an actual hearing this time, and not just because the Senate Intelligence Committee they're only allowed to hear a certain amount. Like it needs to be the proper. So the, if you know they don't have certain access, it, it needs to be you know people like Jill Brand who hear this information. And that's why I think it'll be more like September uh, because they're about to go on long break for the summer. So um, I just don't, I, 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 I'm, I'm really excited for the future. Um, and, and Dave, I, I really want to thank you for coming on today's show. Yeah, I appreciate it. And um, I can tell people a little bit about the website if they want to look at some of my work. So well, first, I want to get your your thoughts on 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 the hearings. Do you think? Um, I mean, July hearings. The only thing I can see it being would be in front of the Senate House Intelligence Community, and they're only briefed, and their staffers are only briefed to hear a certain amount of information. Um, right. Not like Gillibrand, and and you know, um, what she's and her staffers are capable of hearing, and some of the people in Congress. So. Um, do you, would you rather, would you two rather, we'll finish it off with this. Both of you I want an answer from. Um, would you rather them hold off and get prepared for September hearings? So go in with a, a prepared, fresh mindset? Or would you want it to be one of the last things they do until they go on summer break? It's like a test before uh, you get out of school in, in high school. Um, you know, uh, what do you want? Uh, do you want them to prepare or do you want, do you want hearings now? We've seen from the past too, that, you know, people have called them nothing burgers or, uh, you know, bullshit or BS or, you know, it's not getting us anywhere. Uh, where do you guys stand? Go ahead, Tom. I appreciate that, Dave. Um, it's a great question, Ty. Okay. I'll say it like this. So if, if it's going to be in front of the public, right, if we can get, into a situation where Mr. Grush can speak in front of a committee, um, and maybe they have a classified version of the hearing, but if there's going to be a public hearing, 100%, def- you know, definitively, it'll happen, it could be televised, then I say make that happen uh, as soon as possible. If not, if this is going to be some sort of closed session um, and there's no way for them to make it public, then I say hold off and let's wait to try to get something better at that point because I feel that this gentleman will have a better impact on the situation that we find ourselves in if he can speak and the American public can actually hear him as he's doing it. It hits differently. Let people be the judge at that point. So don't uh, don't rush it, but if if you can get him but grush on camera— it. Yeah, uh, grush it. Don't rush it, but we should grush it. I don't almost rush said it. that. Grush I it. almost said that. <laughs> if he can talk in front of the American people and it can be a public a public uh forum, then I say, you know, load the gun and shoot it and just go for it right now. Awesome. I think I, I would say, you know, I on one hand, I would like them to take his accusations and go and find out like what they can. So that, that perhaps they can identify some individuals within these programs. They can in, identify managers within the aerospace companies that um, he's kind of outing. Um, one other issue is the fact that 
his whistleblower status in some ways limits how much congressional leadership or staffers can even communicate with him um, because of the protections um, afforded to whistleblowers in U.S. government. Yes. So there are some issues there. I, but I would like them to see them go out and perhaps subpoena some of these individuals that he has named, bring them into these public hearings and let's get this testimony of uh, David going and then let's talk to the aerospace company individuals that allegedly are participating in these illegal um, uh, you know, secret programs that the U.S. government has been funding um, without the knowledge of Congress. So it would, it would be really interesting um, to see those two things put together. And I think that it might take a little bit longer. So I vote for delay that until you have all your ducks lined up. Yeah. And, and I, I, oh my God, I, I see, I agree with you there. Um, absolutely. I think that, um, uh, I think that getting your ducks in a row to get it. Cause, cause this is not, this is not, the first set of hearings, right? This is not the hearings about are these things real? This one's about crash retrieval and, and, and programs that are using illegal money. And, and Congress is finally saying, listen, if you're, you're, you're no more, we're not paying for these, these projects. And, or at least that's what they're trying to say is, you know, if you, basically if you're running, if you're a gifted UFO technology from the government, from, from wherever, you know, we'll give you these amenities or, or, or appropriations to hand it over. But, and, and we won't ask questions, and, and, but if you make us come look for it, you know, there will be penalty. Um, so I do think that puts the pressure on. I think that's good. I need to, we need to get our ducks in a, in a row because if all this starts hitting at once we could be looking at a radically different environment come the political season um in the presidential election um where i hate to say it but this this chip maybe we may hear ufo in the debates this year um uh <laughs> you heard you heard it here first um uh on, on total disclosure so um no Thank you so much, uh, Dave, for joining us tonight. Uh, I would love for you to tell your um, to, uh, talk to us about your website. Uh, I did. I did. I'll put everything in the description um, below. So for you guys that are that are watching um, on Spotify or listening uh, across all podcast platforms, um, in the description below, Dave Beatty's information plus Cortex Zero's information. Um, and, and my website, it, all of it's in, in, and then all of it's below. So, um, you know, make sure to, to take a look and help support the show. Uh, so Dave, tell us more about your website and, and, uh, uh, work in the, in the field. Yeah. Like I just, I, I had mentioned earlier that, um, Dr. Bob Davis and I are working on this film about the nature of consciousness and we could use any help or support. I mean, if you want to find out more about it. You can just go to consciousnessfilm.info where it's all laid out there, what we're doing, what we're planning on doing, some really cool upcoming um, interviews and filming around the country, um, some of the stuff that we've already done. So take a look at 
Thanks. Yeah, we and and, and if there's anything Tom and I can do for you, um, oh, absolutely. I I I went to film school, uh, and, and Tom is an audio engineer. Um, so together we uh, you know, we're we're capable of doing uh, uh whatever you need. And, oh, awesome. And it, um, we would love you know we would love for you to to ask us for help uh or or you know we would love that it would be it'd be so fun so consciousness um, is like one of my absolute favorite things to talk about yeah yeah it's just amazing um i'm glad i i want to personally thank you dave for pointing a spotlight on that particular subject because i feel Mm -hmm. like it may be the key to solving a lot of what we're investigating all together right now. I feel like consciousness is the one thing that may unlock all of it. So thank you for, for yeah. putting that yeah. work in for that. Yeah. Um, um, Tom, how can they keep the conversation going with it? Well, Dave, uh, where can they find you on uh, where can, you know, if someone wanted to, to, to reach you via social media or, or something like that, uh, I'll have your Twitter uh, yeah. uh, um, posted um, here, but where can they find you and, and sure. how can they keep in touch? Yeah, like um, I no just got emails. on threads. Don't, like uh, yeah, everyone's don't. jumping on threads. You can uh, follow me there, Dave underscore Beatty. And then on, I've been on Facebook for a long time. I have a group there called Modern Ufology that I'm sure you can um, search for Modern Ufology and join that group as, as many have. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. What, what is it called? Modern ufology. Okay, I'll, I'll join. Yeah, it's, sure. it's, there's a bunch of cool people in there that. Um, um, yeah, I'm in a bunch of groups on so. Facebook. So yeah, no, but those groups are great because you know it's really like it's for niches and and it's great for niches and um, no, definitely. And uh, um, Thomas, where can they keep the conversation going with you? So I am mostly on Twitter. I'm going to be. I'm actually in the process of, of making a profile on threads myself. Uh, and that's likely going to just be, you know, cortex underscore zero, unless they, some, you know, unless somebody took it already, hopefully not, but you can find me on Twitter. Uh, obviously please uh, go check out my content uh, over on YouTube at cortex zero on YouTube, obviously uh, like, and share what we do here from Spotify and all the other platforms. My DMS are always open. And I just wanted to say, not only thanks to Dave for being here with us today, but uh, amazingly, somehow, some way, today, I hit 5,000 followers on Twitter. And that's really weird because like a year ago, I think I had like 120. Yeah. <laughs> so to all the people, Astral, uh, Shane, uh, Brian Johnson, Ty, yourself, obviously, Dave here with us. Like, just thank you, everybody, for for being so kind to me and, and like just allowing me to to thrive in this community it's it's been a wild ride so far and the free future really does look bright i'm having a great time yeah yeah i'm super excited about that for you man and guys if you or someone you know military or civilian have had a close encounter of the first or all the way to the fourth kind and want to share your story email tyler roberts 572 at icloud.com or dm me on twitter at disclosure pod um thank you 
on for listening on your chosen platform. Remember to leave a like for the podcaster, uh, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can become a premium member at the top of the feed. You can click it over there and uh, become a premium member so you get ad-free content. You can also do that on Spotify, uh, where, we're, where we are video exclusive. So get get access, early access to content, uh, a free yearly gift and all that. Um, and if you can't do anything monetarily, uh, that's all good. Uh, that's just how we keep the show free. Um, uh, but if you can do this for free, so if you want, leave a rating and a review on Apple podcasts and a star rating on Spotify. And it really helps with our algorithm and getting to newer and like really broader audiences. So I really appreciate everyone that listens. This show has grown tremendously popular, um, uh, almost unbelievably popular, um, on the podcast feed. So, uh, we are truly blessed. Uh, and I just want to say from the bottom of my heart to all the people who listen, um, that I don't get to interact with because it's the podcast, um, uh, audio feeds and it's harder to, it's not like YouTube where there's a, a live chat. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all, all of you that listen and, and, um, really, really, uh, you guys make this worth doing. Uh, we'll see you next time. Let's keep exploring the unknown together. Music